Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Witness Lee. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel, and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades, before eventually bringing this ministry to the West in 1962. He spent the next 35 years speaking to Christians in North America and all over the world before going to be with the Lord in 1997. The life study of the Bible is his most significant contribution to the heritage of biblical exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring you short portions of his spoken ministry today. If you have questions or comments, or would like to find other Christians in your area enjoying this same ministry, just email us, radio at lsm.org. Again, that's radio at lsm.org. Here's today's program. After a glorious beginning, the church in Jerusalem underwent a sudden turn, and persecution fell heavily upon the church. The trouble and persecution became so heavy that nearly all the believers, except the apostles, were forced to leave, and they were scattered, to use the Bible's own phrase. Was this just God's enemy reacting to the early success of the gospel, or was this a genuine move of God under his sovereign hand? Stay with us for an enlightening and compelling look at the gospel as it was spread in the first century church on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. This is a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry, and as is our practice, we will again bring you recorded excerpts from the spoken ministry of Witness Lee who together with Watchman Nee in China in the 1920s and 30s had many acts-like experiences with the gospel among native Chinese. Francis Ball is with us once again as we look further into Acts chapter 8. Welcome back, Francis. It's always good to have you here. And it's always good to be here. Francis, before we go on to Witness Lee today, let's talk a little bit about the history that we are being presented with in the book of Acts. The saints in Jerusalem had been on such a spiritual high, you might say, that this sudden turn of events must have come as a real shock to them in its severity. Would you agree with this? Yes, Chris, I really do agree with this. I believe that most of the new Christians in Jerusalem were really in the enjoyment of the Lord. But the persecution might not have been so sudden as it seems at the beginning of chapter 8, because there was resistance, there was exasperation, there was reaction, there was a lot of opposition from the religious forces right from the day of Pentecost. Thousands of Jews were becoming believers in Christ and were proclaiming Christ and his resurrection. And this is more than the religious people could take. There were even miracles that no one could deny. But all these just aroused the Jewish leaders who were so strong for the law of Moses, for their religious practices, that the name of Jesus exasperated them very much, and the fact of resurrection was more than they could tolerate. And this caused them to gnash their teeth at Stephen, and eventually they stoned him to death. Surely the cruel treatment and death of this very first martyr must have really shocked the believers very much. And the persecution began to grow to such an extent that the disciples 
spread and scattered throughout the whole area. So this opened up more and more persecution, which brought about the results that we will hear in today's message. I believe these results are going to be somewhat surprising uh, for anyone who's not real familiar with this story, Francis, this portion of church history. What looked like uh, certainly a failure and a defeat at the hand of God's enemy turned out to be something quite other than that. And uh, so many people have missed the, the real record in Acts by only picking out certain parts that would be exciting or give them something to uh, present a stirring message to people. Francis, I think this message will qualify as one of those hidden nuggets that we talk about from time to time on the life study of the Bible. Let's join Witness Lee. In this message, we come to chapter 8, which is a chapter full of patterns. So uh, I intend to spend time with you on this chapter pointing out so many crucial points concerning our gospel preaching. According to this pattern here, the gospel preaching should go out through the scattering of the saints. Firstly, in Jerusalem, the gospel preaching was carried out mainly by the apostles. No doubt that was a pattern, yet uh, that was not the unique pattern. Uh, if that was the unique pattern, the gospel preaching would be very much limited. So now we have another pattern of the preaching of the gospel that is firstly by the saints migrating out. Here you don't have the word migrate or migration, but uh, it is implied in the word scattered. Verse 4 says, Those therefore who were scattered went about the land bringing the good news of the word. So this scattering actually is the real migration. 3,000 a day, another 5,000 men plus women another day, no doubt, so over 10,000 there. Yet human beings would never think to move. Everybody likes to get settled. But uh, the Lord is sovereign. Don't forget, he's the leader. He's the ruler of the kings. Yes, it was Satan that instigated the uh, persecution. But we have to realize whatever Satan does is under the Lord's sovereignty. So that persecution actually worked out a good point for the spreading of the gospel. That is, that persecution scattered many, many thousands of believers from Jerusalem to all the lands of Judea and Samaria. Through this scattering, the good news had been brought to so many cities. This is why for years we began to practice the migration. The saints shouldn't uh, remain in a certain place for too long a time. We should all be migrants. <laughs> Abraham, he was a river crosser. He migrated from Chaldea to Canaan. So, we all have to follow this footstep. 
we shouldn't get ourselves settled forever. Of course, sooner or later, you will migrate. <laughs> you know what I mean. Sooner or later, you have to cross the river of death. We cannot get ourselves settled on this earth in one spot for uh, eternity. So learn to migrate. When you migrate, the gospel goes out with you. Or when you migrate, you bring the gospel to the place where you migrate to. Francis, we're seeing over and over in our life study of Acts that it's appropriate for us to view this book as a pattern for us even today, since it conveys so many meaningful items as they were actually first given to the church by the Lord. As a pattern, then, what does chapter 8 show us concerning the spreading of the gospel? You know, I don't know how many uh, in history have really followed this as a pattern. Many students of the Bible pick up parts of Acts and don't really get the impact of the history that's recorded there. We have to remember the word of the Lord, what he gave the apostles in chapter 1, verse 8. He said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. This was the Lord's word to the disciples after his resurrection. So by this we see that God's plan was for the gospel of Christ to spread throughout the whole earth. This has a lot to do with applying this portion and these events to us today. By chapter 8, we see that though thousands were saved, the spread was limited just to Jerusalem and mostly through the preaching of the apostles. But by chapter 8, the persecution forced all the disciples to move out. It wasn't the apostles now doing all the work, but the disciples were forced to move out. And this helped to fulfill God's plan and purpose and even fulfill his word in Acts 1.8. This was the spreading that God intended, and this spread is really the lesson we have to learn today. By chapter 8, the persecution forced all the disciples to move out, and everywhere they went, the gospel went with them. For the gospel to spread throughout the earth, there is the need for disciples to be scattered. This chapter begins to give us a pattern of migration. In these uh, recent years of recovery of the proper church life, we have seen this practice brought into actuality, that the saints begin to migrate to other places, and by their migrating, the gospel goes with them. We believers should not expect to be settled in just one place for too long a time. For the spread of the gospel, we need to be a people moving on. Francis, we're going to pick up this matter further of migration in the coming section, but I have to ask you again about this point of the ones that were scattered were really the responsible ones to spread the gospel in these new places, and verse 1 makes a particular point that the apostles did not leave. Yes. So the work was really now put into the hands of the ordinary saints in the church life. That's right. This is really one of those hidden things that I think bears a lot of meaning behind it. I think Christians today have the idea that uh, to start a church or to preach the gospel, you need to get a gospel preacher, you need to have a certain organizational way, and you go into a place and uh, get a building and uh, invite people and start preaching the gospel. The pattern in the New Testament is that the disciples, 
That means the believers. And it says, except the apostles. There was a reason why the disciples were the ones to be scattered. And wherever they went, the gospel went with them. Okay, as promised, we're going to go back to this matter of the spreading. And now, uh, as we're referring to it in a vernacular that's appropriate to us today, this migration. And really, this is going to have an application for 20th century believers. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Human race migrated again and again, you know, from Mesopotamia to the Goldland, then from the Goldland to Asia Manor, from Asia Manor to Eastern Europe, to Macedonia and Greece, then from Eastern Europe to Western Europe. Then, you know the story, since Columbus, the migration went on from Europe to Massachusetts, uh, to Virginia. Uh, the East Coast, and then all the old uh, uh, migrants, uh, they began still to uh, keep migrating, you know, from the Midwest and so forth. Then, and uh, anyhow, when they reached California to reach the remotest part of the earth, <laughs> if they don't migrate, they will become a dead sea. A dead sea is a reservoir of the water of the River Jordan. River Jordan's water reached Dead Sea and stopped there. Then you became something dead. So, brother, you have to dig the canal to get the water out. I hope that so many of the saints may migrate out. You will see when the Dead Sea flows out, more water will flow in. You need the water hose. If you don't open the water hose, let it flow out. Nothing will flow in. How much will flow in, it depends upon how much it will flow out. So I encourage you all to pick up the burden to migrate, not for your living. The law will take care of your living. The law called Abraham, and Abraham migrated. He was not tough to dead. No. He lived, and he gained a big land. Just learn to migrate for the gospel's sake. And the gospel is just Lord himself. This is number one point of the pattern. The number two, not only the saints migrated, there was at least one evangelist, Philip, among the migration. And he had the top gift of gospel preaching. He was called by the Holy Word, the evangelist. Now, he went out uh, to preach the gospel. In his ministry of the gospel, quite a few points we should pay our attention to. Number one, you know what he preached? He preached Christ Jesus as the good news. In at least one verse, the word preach actually is the word for gospel. They praised Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was their gospel. Not only so, they also praised the kingdom. You read carefully. Some verse tells you that Philip preached Jesus Christ as the gospel, and some verse tells you that he preached the kingdom of God as the gospel. So, we should preach a gospel that is Jesus Christ, and that is also the kingdom of God. 
In other words, we should praise Jesus Christ as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is just Christ. Francis, of course, there is much speculation among Christians that as the Lord's return draws near, there will be an increasing amount of persecution of the believers. And certainly there are isolated examples of persecution today, but really nothing like what these first century saints were enduring. Absent that kind or that degree of persecution, what application then does this scattering or migration, as Witness Lee has termed it, have to us today? Well, the Lord's word to his disciples was, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and set you that you should go and that you should bear much fruit. This is what he spoke in John 15. Then he continued this charge at the time of his ascension, telling them that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So this was the beginning of this kind of spread. And it seems in this case that a very important lesson is to realize that we shouldn't wait for persecution to cause us to move. But there is that instance, at least here in Jerusalem, and there have been other instances similar to this. As a matter of fact, the thing that caused Witness Lee to go to Taiwan was persecution from the communists coming in to take over China. And then there was other kind of persecution that even caused him to come to this country. I would just say that this kind of moving is characteristic of the Lord's desire to reach the whole earth. But in this case, it's not the apostles that were moving, but it's the disciples. But the disciples had heard the word of the apostles, and they had gotten it into them. And with that, the whole gospel of Christ was spreading to other places. So today, we have to be those that uh, realize that God's way is to spread by his people not just as we're doing today, not only by the radio, which is a wonderful opportunity to encourage the believers everywhere to be ready to move with God, to move wherever the Lamb would take us. So for the spread of the gospel, we, as I said already, need to be a people on the move. Acts gives us in chapter 8 a pattern of spreading the gospel over the whole earth by this kind of moving. That's what we call migration. We shouldn't be set. We shouldn't be settled. We shouldn't be occupied, but ready to follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Francis, there's a strong exhortation in the Bible about taking care of our own house while God's house lies waste. And I think uh, your word confirms that uh, this is a condition very, very much applicable to the New Testament Christians even in the 20th century. That's very, very true. We need to be those who are ready to spread at the expense of losing all to follow him. We don't need to be afraid to move with the Lord. He will take care of us. He will take care of our living. He will take care of our need if we just follow him wherever he goes. And when we follow him and end up in whatever place we end up, Francis, we need to be able to preach the gospel. That's the topic of this last section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Firstly, in the Gospels, he was the seed of the kingdom. Then, in the uh, Acts, he becomes the spreading of the seed. 
See, the seed was sown in the four Gospels, and it uh, becomes spreading in the act. And this is Christ as the kingdom of God. We have to learn this. Today, you must admit the preaching of the gospel among the Christians is too low. It seems to me very rarely implies the kingdom of God. And today we must preach the gospel with Christ as the content and also with Christ as the kingdom. We ourselves must have the experience of Christ not only as our Savior, as our life, but also as the kingdom of God to us. When we receive him, we receive a Savior, we receive a life, and we receive kingdom. We would live a kingdom life. Then we know how to preach such a gospel. And today, you know, most of preachers just learn how to be eloquent, just learn how to use parables, to inspire people, to tell people, how to use uh, illustrations and so forth. If you get into the contents of their speech, just eloquent words, interesting stories, and so forth, not much of Christ, no need to say not much of the kingdom. We have to pray the gospel with Christ as the kingdom, not only as the Savior, as life, but as the kingdom as well. We must preach such a high and rich gospel. Luke didn't have that much space to tell the messages of Philip's preaching. Luke does give us some words showing what Philip preached. He preached Christ, he preached the kingdom of God as the gospel. I'd like to read to you in verse 4. It says, Those therefore who were scattered went about the land bringing the good news of the word. So, dear saints, you must learn the word in the New Testament. Pick up the word, study the Bible, study Matthew, study Mark, study Luke, study John, study all the words in the New Testament, then you'll be saturated with the word. Then when you go out and open up your mouth, the words will come out spontaneously. You don't need to pick up that many parables. You don't need to tell people so many stories. You just tell people the word. The stories don't work that much. The stories only make people laugh. But eventually, after laughing, they get nothing. This is the poverty of today's teaching and preaching. Only the divine word can contain, can convey Christ. Only the holy word fits in the purpose to convey Christ to people. So we must learn to pick up the three crucial points concerning our preaching. Jesus Christ as the content of our gospel and the kingdom of God also as the content of our gospel. Also, we must preach Christ and the kingdom of God with the word. 
we must be very familiar with the word. We must be filled up, even saturated, with the divine word in the New Testament. Francis here was a very useful portion for anyone who has ever preached the gospel or desires to ever preach the gospel. The pattern in Acts chapter 8 is very clear. The real and proper gospel preaching should include these three items. First, Christ himself as the content of the gospel, and the kingdom of God as the gospel. And finally, the word of God filling us so that it will spontaneously issue forth from us as we speak the gospel. Francis, there isn't much preaching today, I think, that follows this kind of pattern, is there? I'm hoping, Chris, that there will be an increase of this kind of preaching of the gospel being Christ himself. The gospel of Christ is not a term to make a platform for us to preach all kind of things about ethics, about law-keeping, about stories, about good behavior, about fighting the political situation. This is not the gospel. The gospel is Christ himself. Christ himself is the gospel. And Philip was the one who preached Christ as the gospel. I don't know if very many people are acquainted with that kind of terminology, preaching Christ as the gospel, and preaching also the gospel of the kingdom of God. This is a lost item. Most preaching that I hear today is concerning man as the center of everything, and only his salvation counts. But God's glory counts, and God's kingdom counts. The kingdom of God must be preached and must be in our preaching of the gospel. Otherwise, Christ is not the king. He is only a savior that satisfies our need but doesn't accomplish God's goal. So the gospel of the kingdom also needs to be preached. And now, of course, to do this, even to preach Christ as the gospel and to preach the gospel of the kingdom, we need to be saturated. We need to be filled But it's not a doctrine, it's really the life element that gets into us. That may issue in the preaching of the gospel of Christ and preaching the kingdom of God. Francis, this is a gospel that is worthy of our God as both Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for your marvelous contribution today. Another wonderful life study, and I think we were appropriately termed it at the beginning, maybe a hidden gem here for our listeners and for you and I know as well that have been able to enjoy and get into this matter. I really appreciate Brother Lee speaking in these matters. As do I. Francis, come back very soon. Contact us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Do you want to know the deeper truths of the Bible? Wish you could attend a Bible study, but just don't have the time? Well, if you enjoyed this program, then we invite you to visit our website at lsmradio.com. From there, you'll find programs on every book of the Bible and all free of charge. These programs will not only give you a more profound understanding of the scriptures, but also refresh and revitalize your daily Christian walk. From our website, you can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or subscribe to the podcast. Again, all free of charge. Once more, that website, 
lsmradio.com. Thanks again for listening.